Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. The Slaughter Podcast will be discussing topics that some listeners may find disturbing. If you're still listening, we really apologize for last episode's intro. (laughs) We listened back, it was terrible. Hi guys, welcome to episode number of Slaughter True Crime Podcast, UK Crime Podcast. Um, I'm going to start with, I think it's a bit different to what I normally do. It's an interesting one in the sense that it's interesting enough that there's a BBC drama about it, but probably not many people have seen it. Okay. So I would say your style was the grisly murders. It's kind of grisly. Mm. <laughs> so a lot of the information that I got for this one is from a book called Gangland, uh, from foot soldiers to kingpins, the search for Mr. Big, which could be about horrible true crime or could be about sex in the city part four. <laughs> yeah. Sex in the city three ganglands. <laughs> I can see that happening. Oh, it's by Tony Thompson. And there's also a dramatisation um, by the BBC. And you can find it on YouTube if you search for My Murder Part 1. Um, and there's, I think there's six parts. But it's not um, it's not like one of these Shannon Matthews type dramatisations that people go crazy for. It's sort of like a... Probably just played in schools. Oh, okay. <laughs> so this is the story of Shaquille's Townsend. And he was a 15-year-old black lad living in South London really good looking boy um he wanted to go to college uh he wasn't part of the south london gangs have you heard much about sort of these i don't know any denominations no i don't know i think you wouldn't if unless you lived around there it's not like everyone's clued upon the gangs of south london but i think a lot of people are aware there's a lot of gang violence going on um it is largely in the black communities it's very territorial um so that's kind of it's still happening now this is 2008 but a lot of violence in in south london i think people when things happen in the news when attacks happen in news they're really loath to link it to gangs aren't they yeah they make it about the individuals don't they he wasn't part of these gangs necessarily but just by living there he was sort of you either respect the gangs or you don't. So he would like walk through gang territory because he'd want to walk home the fast way. And by doing that, it would incite a fight or an attack on himself. And then he'd have to stick up for himself. Oh, so it wasn't like he was out trying to cause trouble, but he also wasn't like, I'm going to just do what they say. So, and it was just like lads he'd gone to school with and stuff. It wasn't like all these big bad gangs. So he men. was really like 
that's incredibly brave. So he was just like, I don't, I'm going to go against these gangs and yeah, suffer just the like, consequences. I want to walk, this, wanna walk like, in this way, so what? Right. But um, yeah, so he was known to a certain gang that I'm going to mention a bit, but um, as sort of like a, we don't like him. Right. So when he was um, on a bus somewhere in London traveling, he met a 15-year-old Samantha Joseph on the top deck and they started chatting and they exchanged numbers and he thought she was like super hot like amazing dream girl basically that sounds like a really good premise for a date i say really good it sounds like a premise for a dating show that's already happened top deck dating where (laughs) they just shove a load of people on a bus and make them drive in a circular uh, route until someone ends up dating one of my colleagues said to me the other day um oh, did you know that there was a train that broke down um, on the way to London for eight hours? And I was like, do you think they all were like super good friends by the end of it? And she was like, no, I think they all hated each other by the end of it. Could have gone either way. Maybe there's a romance story in there somewhere yeah. though. Something about the vibrations of the seats might be <laughs> conducive. I ha- you don't have to include this, but I have, you know, you shouldn't have regrets. But one time I was on a train back from London and I was chatting to the person next to me um, for the whole way back. Um, boy or girl boy and then i was the, the stupid bit when you think that i was maybe 26 and i think he was 24 and at the end when he was getting off at his stop he asked for my number and i was like oh i think you're too young for me what i know and i'm like that could have been that train oh romance could have been the great romance of the century I but i was like oh god me. a 24 year old you were in another he? school year yeah right <laughs> like, who cares about that at 26 yeah, I was a bitch at 26. <laughs> I think it was negging. I was like, why are you checking your phone? No one's even going to call you. I think it was stuff like that. Brilliant. Um, so, <laughs> Shaquille became totally obsessed with Samantha, uh, but she had a secret. She was a mole in Top Deck Dating. <laughs> she, okay, uh, I'm planning the whole series. She's sort of like a mole. She, um, <gasps> she had a boyfriend who was a, one of the gang leaders. So she was a plant. No, that she wasn't sent in to date him. Right. She just met him, but she was already dating this guy called Danny McLean, who was 18. He was a gang leader. I mean, the gang leaders are like 18. This, this yeah. is not like grown up gangs. Um, and he was... Had, it's different to organised crime, as yeah. we call it, isn't it? So his gang was called the Shine My Nine Gang, which apparently refers to a gun not giving a well and down guy a blowjob. I immediately thought that was a dick. <laughs> Shine my nine. It's like, yeah. Come on, give it a little shine. Polish my nine. Yeah. Um, so. Oh, is that like a nine millimeter? I'm yeah. so bad on guns. <laughs> this is going to be terrible. <laughs> so Samantha continued to see Shaquilles, but she told him when they were out that he had to say he was her cousin. <gasps> this is so Romeo and Juliet. <laughs> so she lived with her mum, and um, her mum was called Sheila. And she was like a head chef at a pub in Broccoli. So you're like working hard, unsociable hours. So I think like she was single mum in the sense that her um, Samantha's father and brother lived in Trinidad still. Trying Bring to her up on her own. Make money, keep her daughter safe, living in South London, send money back to her family as well. And they had been like really close, Samantha and her mum, but I think just because mum was working a lot and then Samantha had a lot of freedom and she had been a really good student at school but then she started to get noticed by the boys she like kind of became like one of the hot girls at school um and then spending a lot of time with them and then get drawn into these gangs so initially she'd been quite 
doing well. So she got with Danny McLean when he had spotted her and kind of been like, right, I'm going to date her. Like, I'm gang leader. I get to choose sort of my pick of the girls around here. And they were sleeping together really soon, despite the fact that he was 18 and she was 15. Um, And then she just was like part of this gang culture then. Like, she was targeted for fights. She got excluded because of fighting in school. Um, they, she had to go to study at a specialist education centre, which I think like must be so heartbreaking for London teachers. So you've got a good student, yeah. you've got good plans for them, and then suddenly something like that happened, they just start dating the wrong person, and then you can just see them throwing their lives away. Because you, you just want to grab them and be like, no. You could be good. Yeah, really sad, like making the wrong choices, and then that's it, really. Um, and it must be really, really hard. I mean, so. it's heartbreaking for everyone because her mum's having to yeah. work, moved over to England, having to work that hard to provide this life that she wants her children to have. Yeah. And then it's not going as planned. Yeah. So Shaquille's tried to maintain his position as the other man, um, like making sure she didn't dump him by like buying her a lot of gifts and things. And I think there was a bit of like the chocolates and the flowers, but he was planning on getting her a puppy. Like he was taking a step up, um, which like you should really check before you buy people puppies. Yeah. Like imagine if I turned up like for Christmas, Emma, I bought you this puppy. That always annoys me in films where people will walk in with a box and in the box is a puppy. It's not scratching or moving around, but there it is, it's a puppy. And where's the rest of the gifts? If you're buying a dog for someone... It, there should be a whole like truckload of things the beds the yeah. bowls the food the lead the toys it's just here's a puppy let it fend for itself <laughs> yeah here's an obligation <laughs> yeah. off you go um so on the other hand like she was with mclean and i think she sort of liked the status of it but her relationship with him was more of a let's have sex and you're welcome like he was just like there wasn't any romance he was just like right. come around let's do it off you go and he was also pretty aggressive and he was kind of violent as well and would sometimes hit her so it wasn't a good relationship it wasn't like she was getting much out of it other than the fact that he was sort of this gang leader and could i guess protect her or i gonna get their stuff um so shaquille and mclean had actually met once so the other man had met the boyfriend but like like she went along with this story she told him that he was her cousin um and they got on fairly well um but shaquille he just knew he couldn't take on McLean. He wanted Samantha to be his girlfriend properly. He wanted to be out and about with it. But he Well, just... he'd be taking on the whole gang, yeah. wouldn't he, if he pissed him off. So he just thought, well, I'll wait I'll wait it out. I'll wait till they break up. So he just sort of carried on this role as like the the guy in the sidelines. So then things changed because Samantha confided in one of her friends about Shaquilis. So she told this friend that she was dating a guy on the side and that he was giving her a lot of stuff, but that Danny McLean didn't know. And this friend went straight to Danny McLean and told him. Now, obviously, he was fucking fuming. He'd been, like, for a month. He'd been with her for 18 months. And then for a month, she'd been hanging out with this other guy. I don't know if it was a sexual relationship. I don't know if they'd been kissing. But it was romantic. And he quickly found out that Shaquilis was this guy that the gang didn't like either for not sort of following the rules of the gang. So that made it even worse. Why would the friend do that? I know, what a dick. Like, I'm not saying I'd agree with it, but if you wanted to cheat on Luke, I wouldn't tell anyone. Yeah, well, you wouldn't, would you? It's not fair. Like, it's fine. Go ahead. (laughs) (laughs) I'll just tell the podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So 
Shaquille also got had also previously been in a fight, one of these fights where he was in the wrong place at the wrong time, and then he'd been attacked by someone, and he could really stand up for himself, and he'd thrown one punch and knocked out the two front teeth of one of the gang members. So he'd sort of been responsible for this guy, probably having some ridiculous nickname. <laughs> um, so again, they weren't too keen on him. So then uh, Danny McLean's absolutely fuming that it's this guy in particular of all guys. So Samantha did the age-old Love Island response when you're torn between two men and one finds out about the other and dumps you. She tells them she'll do absolutely anything to get taken back by Danny because she's actually really in love with him and wants him. Well, Clean's version of anything was basically um, showing me that you really choose me over Shaquille's by leading him into a honey trap so that, that he could attack him. No. Which is why this is quite a well-known story because of the the manipulation and the um, like the trust being broken. So Shaquille's had heard rumours that McLean was after him, but he wasn't particularly worried. Like, he could stand up for himself. He wasn't in a gang, but he did have a criminal record and he had been to a young offenders institution. So he wasn't, like, this perfect schoolboy. Um, his mum's said that she... That he was really trying to, um, like, go to college and he was trying to change his behaviours. But then there's also some stuff about how he had, like, a profile on... Was it Bebo? Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he had, like, pictures of him with a knife on it and stuff. And oh, great. I don't know. So I don't. I wouldn't say that he's, like, oh, this perfect, like, geeky guy. But he, he wasn't involved in the gangs. And I think... Yeah, was... so we're not... Get, we don't need to get too overboard with, like, he was such a hero. Yeah. Okay. But it's just sad for everyone. Um, so it's worth mentioning, though, that some of the boys in these gangs had missed opportunities and weren't sort of like these old, just always negative gang kids two of them have been going to a street dance session and shown quite a lot of promise and could have been part of a street dance group but then they stopped going because they had to cross another gang's turf so it meant that they had to like pack it in and and start Mm. not going to those sessions and that could have been a way out a lot of these dancing groups are set up to sort of help with gang violence and things um and then there's another one who'd been to private school and he played for a local rugby club and so he had a lot going for him, um, but just ended up hanging out with the wrong people, I guess. So on the morning of the honey trap, Samantha told a friend uh, what was going to happen. And this friend, um, as she remembers, told her it's wrong, that Shaquille is innocent, as he didn't know that she had a boyfriend at first. Um, but Samantha says either me or Shaquille is going down. So... Um, and also, he punched us with the guy's teeth out. It's not just about the relationship. So, if she's saying it's either me or Shaquille is going down, do you think she genu- Do you think she feared for her life? Well, I don't know because a lot of the um, a lot of the aftermath of this crime, she reportedly doesn't show much remorse. So I don't know if it's a front. I don't know if she genuinely. The portrayal in the drama, which I haven't watched, but I think it does try and show the pressure on her rather than her just being like, yeah, this is great. So, I mean, even if she wasn't fearing for her life, I'm sure there would have been some horrendous repercussions if she'd have refused Danny McLean. Definitely. I'm not saying that she could have said no. Um, 
I was just interested in. Yeah, I'm not sure is the answer to that. So one afternoon in July 2008, Samantha asked Shaquille to meet up and she says she wants him to meet her cousin. So he thinks, brilliant, I'm back in. She's introducing me to some family members. Like this is um, like the start of our relationship, getting back together again. So they get the bus together. Um, reportedly she's wearing a see-through dress in a lot of news reports, but I couldn't find any evidence of the see-through dress. I'm not sure how see-through it was. But um, Shaquille's mum calls him when they're on the bus on the way to meet this cousin. And he talks to his mum. And while he's doing that, Samantha sends McLean text messages saying, we're on the way. This is the time we're going to get there. And they get off the bus. And she leads Shaquille's down a quiet road. And as they walk down, Shaquille's hears, get him, he's over there. And six lads in bandanas run towards him. And some are on bicycles as well. So he's got no chance. So he tries to run he's caught by the lads and they start hitting him with baseball bats now obviously he's unarmed he's got nothing to defend himself um and samantha apparently was standing there laughing which is where sort of my sympathy for her sort of wears thin a little bit right they then begin stabbing shaquillis uh so mclean uh is i think the fifth one to stab him and he literally like twists the knife and i think it goes into um shakir's his liver so it's really serious at this point and then he's hit again with a bat and then they um run off and residents come out of their homes and they find shakir's in the street screaming i don't want to die and he's crying for his mom and just it's really sad and then he dies in hospital a few hours later it's just so senseless it's needless but it's like in London. It's just yeah, such a prosperous city. Like British people are like seen as sort of civilized and going out for tea. And then you've got this stabbing in the street. It's just, I know it does happen, and but it just seems so unnecessary. Mm. So Samantha and McLean walked away from the crime and they went to buy plasters because McLean had a cut on his head where Shaquillas had been defending himself. And then they tried to log on to Shaquillas's um Ebo account or Facebook and stuff. Same. Just to like delete I think delete the accounts or delete the fact that he's friends with them or something. So they're trying to cover the tracks basically. Uh, so there's no yeah, no links. Yeah, and then she phones some of her friends and says, Delete Shaquillas's number. You don't want to be seen as being connected to him. Whereas obviously that's all too late anyway. They can look at they can look at his phone and find whatever was on there yeah. at the time. So police began investigating the murder and Samantha told them that she'd left Shaquillis at the bus stop. So she said that she'd been with him, but then she'd left and gone somewhere else. But eyewitnesses have said that they saw her with McLean, that they saw her around in a see-through dress, apparently. Um, so she was arrested. And then some other members of the gang were arrested. So... Um, Online, Shaquille's friends and supporters and members of the McLean's gang begin this sort of online feud as well, making threats, some boasting about the murder, some doing nice things. Like on YouTube, there's a, a memorial um, video where they've got pictures of Shaquille's on there. And like people have written comments from his friends saying what a great guy he was and how sad they are. Um, so I watched that and it did make me feel like oh. really bummed, <laughs> sad. Um, and then um then they all it all went to trial so um there was cctv evidence and there were witnesses so essentially they were all implicated in the murder um but samantha received a minimum of 10 years despite the fact that she didn't actually um inflict any actual harm on him but because of her role in inviting him to the like area i guess they say well 
yeah, would have been a murder. Yeah. So I think another reason why it hit the headlines so much because this idea of like the honey trap, him being led by this woman. Um, so she got a minimum 10 years. McLean got a minimum of 15 years. And there were five others who were also sent to prison uh, for like between 14 and 17 years. Now, Shaquille had previously told his mother how special Samantha was and that he was hoping to marry her, which is also oh. like, just makes it even worse. Like he properly thought she was amazing. Um, she only said, which makes it seem really bizarre, though. That, she, like, could she be that good an actress? That why would she spend time alone with him, and so that he would feel that they had something really strong, yeah. but then also do that and be cold? Like, she must have. It must be a front. There must be some yeah. part that is. It's hard to get the information. I'm. I was watching a video of the director of the BBC, um, like dramatization, and he said. The news just reported the facts, so I had to fill in the blanks. So he sort yeah. of invented these characters to an extent because they're not talking out about it. Um, and the the media just focuses on the facts because what else can you do? There's no documentation of their relationship. So you can watch that and kind of see uh, that's like a maybe it was like this. But it's really hard with this kind of case because you don't really get a lot of information and detail because you haven't got the victim's dead. Like you haven't got anyone to to come like to really explain yeah and the thing about gang stuff as well is that they're not going to be open no we're talking about that yeah so she served 10 years and then she was deported to trinidad which i thought was a bit harsh like i know very hard i know it's a murder but it's almost like well here's your punishment and then a bit more like you can't come back to the uk i didn't know that they necessarily did that um i don't know how long she'd lived in yeah because if she'd lived there since she for as long as she could remember even that's really yeah. harsh <clears throat> i tried to look how long she lived in the uk but i couldn't find much out about it um one of the killers had his term reduced only by about a year but he apparently i'm not sure if it's the lad who went to private school but he completed a lot of educational courses in jail and he took a lot of steps to reduce gang violence so he showed a lot of remorse over time initially he didn't show much remorse but i think that is sort of the gang culture of you've got to be like yeah yeah we did this killing it's amazing no one can mess with us mm. but i think over time like he did really think about it and, and thought about his role in shaquille's murder and then just some general information so like there's some news reports recently about how stabbings among young black males in london have been consistently increasing and obviously there's been so many stories of knife crime particularly um but apparently they're dropping but they've put that down to stop and searches and I don't know if that's really solving the issue. I guess if it's if it's a short-term gain, like, fine. But then it just increases the hatred of the police, doesn't it? Yeah. And then I watched a really good art exhibit in Oxford called The Same Road as a Different Road. And that's... Um, it shows videos of... Uh, and it uses real gang members. Um, but it shows videos of... Um, a young black man walking down the street it's kind of like on his face like his point of view and then like an older white woman and they just talk about what they're thinking as they walk down the street like oh i used to go to that corner shop that kind of thing but you can see the difference in the, it's the same place oh. but one's got all this gang violence connotations they've got to look out for themselves and there's like trouble around every corner and one's oh yeah i'm just going out doing my shopping and it's mm. that's really powerful so if you get a chance to see that it's called the same road as a different road it's about a 10 minute video but it's i think i'm not sure if it's still in the um art gallery in oxford but it's by penny walcock so 
hit her up and be like, can I see your video, please? But yeah, sorry that was a bit of a sad one, but I thought it was an interesting, slightly different one. Thank you, One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Okay, so... It's my turn. <laughs> and we're going to Liverpool. Ooh, Liverpool. Yes. Um, which has pretty much always been an extremely busy um, port city, centuries. And in the 1800s, it was a major trading city that was on par with London, really, in terms of how big the population was and how bad the poverty was there as well. So there were lots of tenement houses that were formed sort of slum areas in the city. Um, so conditions were really poor and mortality rates were incredibly high. But with so many people just dying every day, that's the perfect cover for murder. <laughs> You'd think if it was really, if there's a lot of business coming in, people would be more wealthy. But I guess if yeah. everyone flocks there Yeah, to scrabble. it's the same what you were just saying with London. Like the best, the best is there, the richest is mm. there. But then also you have that, there's also has to come the other side of it with the people that can't afford that then. So yeah. it becomes worse. The gap is bigger, isn't it? Mm. So stop me if you think you've heard this one before, because I think I have. <laughs> <laughs> I thought that with mine though. I was like, I'm, I'm, maybe we've done this one. So there were two sisters who were living in Liverpool in the 1880s. And they were known by their neighbours as Maggie and Catty. Their full names were Margaret Thompson and Catherine Flanagan. And they'd both been living at number five Skirving Street since they'd left their home in Ireland in the 1840s to escape the potato famine, which was a big deal. The Irish population has still never recovered. I know, I think people make jokes about it, but it was actually horrendous, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, like, that was one of the... I was so shocked by that. I went to... I think it was the jail in Dublin, Kilmarnock, where they were saying that they gave the figures, I can't remember, but the population before the potato famine to now, it still hasn't reached the same just because of how wow. um, horrendous it was. So they were landladies of their building. So a tenement house is 
a house that's basically just multi-occupancy. Um, and they were the landladies there. Um, but they weren't really like merry old, kind, matronly sort of women. They were, they'd known hardship, clearly. <laughs> um, and they were Irish. So they loved a drink and they could even be violent when under the influence. They didn't have great reputations. They weren't cute, Maggie and Catty. They were <laughs> tough women who wouldn't take shit yeah so with them in their house they had Catherine's adult son living with them then they also had two men who were widowers themselves and each of those two men had their daughters with them so there was a thomas higgins and a patrick jennings so Catherine's adult son john he was a strong 22 year old laborer um unlike his mother um, he was really well liked by the neighbours. <laughs> Unlike his mother, people actually liked him. Yeah, he. They said that he was pleasant. He was had a, quite an extrovert personality, um, and he was hardworking, rarely ill. I think he was probably supporting much of that household. Um, but despite that, his mother kept making comments about how he's definitely getting weaker. And she began to worry in the December of 1880 that he wasn't going to live to see the new year. What, the 22-year-old? Yeah. Shit. She was like, oh, I've got... That's he like was prime just prime carrying... Exactly. And he's carrying about his business, going, working on building things and going about... And she was like, no, he's not going to survive. Fucking hell. Um, her premonition, so coincidentally, turned out to be right because John was taken ill, suddenly confined to his bed... And he had a very painful deterioration and died before Christmas Day. So his mother, because she'd been able to predict that he was soon going to reach the end of his life, she'd had the foresight to take out a life insurance policy for him. I think there was a lot less red tape back then as well. (laughs) So she quickly obtained the £70 payout for her son's death, which I, from my calculations, works out to about £8,000 today. And she began to drown her sorrows in the local pubs and just got blackout drunk for weeks on end. So then, uh, in the October of 1882, a more happy event occurred out of number five Skirving Street as Margaret Thompson, Catherine's sister, married the lodger Thomas Higgins. Is that one of the widows? Yes. So Thomas had this eight-year-old daughter from his first wife called Mm. Mary... But Margaret was not going to be stepmother for long. Um, I was going to say, is she getting in the way? Like, I think so. She's a mouth to feed. So a month after her marriage to Thomas Higgins, his daughter began to suffer really severe stomach cramps and diarrhea, which within days led to her death. So Margaret was quickly able to redeem a burial policy. So quite similar to a life insurance one, but to cover the costs of the funerals sort of thing, the burials of £22 that she'd taken out in the few weeks. So she'd taken out this policy. She married him. The daughter died with months. So there's a space of four weeks where she's married a guy with an eight-year-old and was like, I'm going to take out a burial policy on this child. So these deaths of Catherine's son Thomas and Margaret's stepdaughter Mary hadn't really, they'd passed without raising too much suspicion. Like I said, uh, mortality rates were high. Children might die. I think Thomas's was 
the worst. But his mum had said he'd been ill for so long. Yeah. Um, but then the death of another member of this household was going to get people talking. So in January of 1883, so not long after Mary's death, the daughter of their lodger, 16-year-old Margaret Jennings, began to suffer with symptoms that were all too similar to those of John and Mary. So... I mean, change it up. (laughs) Yeah. She still, she had the cramps, she had the diarrhea, and she died. And yet, the unrelated by blood, marriage, anything, Catherine Flanagan, simply her landlady, cashed in a £50 life insurance policy that she'd taken out on the girl. So there must have been less bureaucracy because how could you be like, I can't just pick a man in the street, can I? And be like, I, I want, think you could. I want a life insurance policy on him. Didn't they have? Didn't we talk about ages ago when there were like there were like life insurance policy vending machines at one point? Like people oh, were just yeah. like before they got on a train, like, I'll just take out a life insurance policy on that passenger there. Because I guess you pay into it, don't you? But I don't know. But then if you they die do. so quickly, then you've not you get more out than you put in, don't you? Yeah. So Catherine Flanagan got £15 of the life insurance policy that she'd taken out on the 16-year-old Margaret Jennings. But this time, Catherine did the same again. She went to drink away the money straight away. But people were confronting her now. They couldn't believe the audacity of her benefiting from this girl's death and just going out on the piss. Like, who is this girl to you? Just some fucking girl. Yeah, and now you're here using the money just to get merry. Um, And they would even go so far as to just accuse her openly of murdering Margaret. So the two sisters were worried that these accusations and rumours were going to cause an investigation. So they moved house, not too far. They went to a slightly different part of Liverpool and they went to an apartment at 27 Ascot Street. So in September of 1883, so Margaret died just in the January, so not too long after margaret's new husband thomas higgins he also began to have stomach cramps so this time they got a doctor involved to try and make everything seem legit so he was seen by a doctor and he thought that he recognized the symptoms as being dysentery which was a common illness um for people that like the shirts yeah so i remember doing like it's like deadly shits yeah just where your body's completely purging. But apparently there was something going on with the whiskey production and the cheapest whiskey that was being sold was if people were drinking that regularly, it was actually causing them to have dysentery. So he just assumed, oh, that's what it is. So he prescribed some treatments such as opium and castor oil. I can know which one I'd take. Um, (laughs) But he still suffered an agonizing death a couple of days after this visit. So this time, Margaret had taken out no less than five policies what? with different companies. And she went round collecting on all of them, which gave her a total payout of £100. What? So about maybe 10000 or so. Unfortunately for the two sisters, a few weeks before his death, Thomas Higgins had told his brother Patrick how he'd had to throw some men out of his house because they'd come round to examine him over a burial policy. And so he's like, how dare you come round and try and check me? I'm so healthy. Why would you be yeah. having burial policies? I don't think he knew that it was his wife at that time, um, but he'd thrown them out and told his brother Patrick, just like, what is happening here? So this conversation had stuck with Patrick and he began 
like going around the insurance companies and questioning them about the policies that were being taken out on his brother. And they obviously all informed him, well, it's his wife that's taken it. So he then went full Columbo and he went and visited the doctor who was on the death certificate. And he went to ask about Thomas's symptoms and said, could these have been consistent with being poisoned? To which the doctor said, well... I guess they could. I mean, he said it was dysentery, but it could be the same as well. So Patrick then took all of this to the police. Several police officers showed up at Catherine and Margaret's house in Ascot Street on the day that Thomas Higgins' burial was supposed to happen. Um, And they found, as was common, there was an open casket in the living room and the women were already drunk and sort of like dancing around, literally just having a party. Um, before the burial. I just imagine like one's up there like straddling on like the sides of the coffin on a booking bronco like Wee! I think it was quite raucous for the 1880s. Um, so Catherine Flanagan just admitted her guilt by legging it out the back door straight away. Um, and Margaret was caught straight away but she was told that they were going to carry out a post-mortem on Thomas. And the result of this showed that he died from arsenic poisoning and Margaret was taken into custody. Um, The police did a search of the house and they found liquid arsenic in the home, which is thought that it's most likely collected by, I think we talked before about arsenic was in loads of common household products um, at the time. It was even in some sweets, um, but not enough to kill anyone. So what people do was fly paper which was really common to hang up, had a lot of it. So there was like a distilling process where you could extract the arsenic from it and get this poisonous liquid. How did people find out about that? Because you couldn't exactly like Google it. Yeah. Like, how do I get arsenic out of this flypaper? Like, I think I think you just a process of, can we boil it? Can we burn it? <laughs> <laughs> can we leave it in the moonlight? <laughs> We're done. It's got to be one of these. Yeah. Catherine... I quite like it. If you see an image of them, she's an old... I mean, she might not have been that old, but I think when you've survived the Irish potato famine, lived in the slums of Liverpool, I think you look older than your years. <laughs> so she she definitely looks old and she's full bonnets, dresses, everything. And so I quite like the fact that she managed to not only run drunk and skirted out of this house, she managed to evade capture by the police for a week before she was arrested just like going into people's houses and asking to stay so she'd managed to have some drinking friends that would look after her so to strengthen their case the bodies of mary higgins eight-year-old mary higgins 16-year-old margaret jennings and the 22-year-old thomas flanagan uh, were all exhumed for examination all three of the bodies showed evidence of lethal doses of arsenic in them So, now to be charged with multiple murders. Catherine Flanagan tried to make a deal. She said that she would turn on her sister and testify against her in court. I know, like, you'd think they came as a pair, they were together. That's dark. Um, Do you think you'd ever turn on your sister? I don't think so. Well, especially not for this, because she knew she wasn't even offering to turn on her. She wasn't going to be let go. All that they would would do would maybe not give her the death sentence and give her a prison sentence instead. So I suppose maybe life or death makes it a bit different, but it's like you're still going down for murder no matter what, but I'm going to screw my sister over 
in the meantime. <gasps> this was refused, though. I think they just wanted to get her too, especially seeing as she was the one that had run away. As the police yeah. obviously were like, not having this. But she still had another trick up her sleeve. Um, so not giving up yet, Catherine Flanagan then offered to give up details of a wide system of women who were all involved in this murder-for-profit scheme. Fucking hell. So it's thought that around this time in Liverpool, there was like this gang of widowed <laughs> women who all had their own roles in it and were just killing off people for insurance policies. I mean, it's believable seeing as it seemed fucking easy. Yeah. I mean, you're only going to get caught if you've got a nosy brother-in-law somewhere. <laughs> she listed 17 different murders that she knew of to the police. Whoa. And she named all of the co-conspirators. And she just really gave it up. So she said her sister, a woman called Bridget Begley and Margaret Evans. These three were the ones who would administer the poison. Um... And with oh, the God, they got like little jobs there. Oh yeah, it was very organised. Oh. Then there was Margaret Potter and Bridget Stanton and Emily Fallon. Their job was to be the policy writers who would go and sort out that side of it. And then Kath- a woman called Catherine Ryan, she was the one who was in charge of collecting and providing everyone with the arsenic. Comedian um, actress Catherine Ryan. Yeah, <laughs> so it was an organised crime gang where they killed off people just to go out and have a good time. But I'm not quite sure why. Basically, the prosecution decided that they're not going to be able to prove all 17 of these deaths were murders, possibly because of the deterioration of the bodies or the length of time. So they were a bit like... Rather, shall we just not bother? <laughs> <laughs> you kind of would, wouldn't you? Like, uh, it's going to be a lot of hard work. It's a lot. And it's like old stuff. Yeah, and it's like, oh, all these women, who gives a fuck? <laughs> I just don't think they were interested. Um, so, yeah, yeah. So they, they believe, and it's thought that there genuinely was this conspiracy um, So they weren't like, women murder. can't be organised. Yeah, but the other women weren't charged. They just could not be bothered to investigate yeah. it. They were like, we've got you two. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, that's enough. That's a good day. Yeah, so um, despite Catherine Flanagan just giving up absolutely everything, they weren't interested. Um, and the two sisters were completely out of options. So they went on trial for the murder of Thomas Higgins only on Valentine's Day of 1884. Um, the trial lasted for three days um, but after a deliberation of 40 minutes, the women were both pronounced guilty and sentenced to death. Um, so on March the 3rd of 1884, over 1,000 people flooded to Kirkdale Jail in Liverpool, um, where they saw Catherine Flanagan and Margaret Higgins hang. Whoa. Yeah, that's an interesting one. Because no, it is like just a normal poisony murder, but I think it's just the fact they're sisters and they're sort of... Well, I wish they would have investigated the whole conspiracy. Yeah. I kind of we'd have got another ten minutes out of it. There is that <laughs> as well. Also, I, you want to know? I want to know a little bit more about these women. I, I was, I'm really bad for it. I know that I sympathise them. They're killing people. Wrong. Got it. But I also like the thought that it's like all these women as a widow and like everyone. No, 
Like, no one's counting on you for anything. They think you're just, like, a burden to society. And they're <laughs> taking that back the power and making it work for them. In it, like- yeah, it'd be a good comedy drama, wouldn't it? Yes. <laughs> uh, thanks for listening, guys. Uh, if you would like to get in touch with us, you can at Slaughter the Pod on Twitter or you can join the Facebook group by typing us apostrophe laughter onto Facebook. You can email us slaughterthepodcast at gmail.com. Um, Patreon. I, something, something, slaughter. Um, it's just patreon.com forward slash slaughter I believe slaughter the pod I think if you go to patreon the website and type in slaughter podcast yeah, you'll, find it. you'll find us 100% um, and you can uh, check us out on Instagram uh, oh, Lucy Slaughter. Yeah. I think we're probably fairly active on Instagram yeah there's plenty of stuff on Instagram 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 if you like dogs food and murder there's yeah. true crime stuff mixed in with dogs and food pretty much yeah yeah thanks for listening guys have a lovely rest of your week and remember listening to slaughter doesn't make you a psycho um yeah you always (laughs) dump it on me and you messed it up this time so hard (laughs) i didn't you twisted it i was gonna give you a beat and then say it my part and then you said it and now i'm fucked (laughs) and stabbing people in the street doesn't necessarily you might also be a victim of society (laughs) <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.